What to Say When Things Get Tough, a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both personal and professional. I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger. Our guest today is Jeff Seow, founder of Mind Access Life Coaching. Jeff joins us from Down Under to talk about how he found meaning in life from working with his fellow millennials to help them, as he describes it, to bridge the present day to their dream reality. Along the way, we talk about Jeff's twist on the golden rule. Rather than treat people as you would want to be treated, treat them as they would want to be treated. You'll learn how to get in touch with Jeff towards the end of our conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for joining us all the way from Down Under. Hey, thanks for having me, Lennon. It's great to be here. I like to start my interviews by asking my guests a little bit about their background and heritage. I'm always fascinated by ancestry and immigration stories. And I don't know a lot about Australia, but I believe it's similar to the U.S. And then most people who are there, their ancestors, families migrated there at some point. So if you could start by telling us a little bit about your your story, how did you and or your family wind up in Australia? Right. So for myself, I am born in Australia. Australia itself is a country that is, um, you know, there's many different nationalities living here, a lot of immigration going on. It's a fairly new country as well, only been around for about 200 or so years. Uh, the Federation was coined in 1901. Now, my personal uh, background is I'm half Portuguese, half Chinese, right? So my family, um, they originate from Malaysia, the Portuguese side, because Malaysia has a lot of Portuguese people, mm-hmm. and also the Chinese side from Malaysia. My grandparents moved to Australia uh, when they were in their 40s, I believe, and they've been living here ever since. So uh, my family's been in Australia for a long time. I still have family back in Malaysia, but it's a good mixture between like here and Malaysia. We share something in common. I have overcome addiction myself. I'd be very interested to learn a little about your journey uh, because as I recall, you described it as uh, finding sobriety as being very important in setting you on a new path in life. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, for me, I was in a bad state before that. Like not, not, not professionally wise, you know, professionally wise, I was doing all the right things. I had a career in clinical research. Um, I have a background in academia. So I, I'd always did the right things professionally wise, but personally wise, um, drugs, alcohol, smoking played a big influence in my life. For me, I really disliked where I was. Like I'd always you know, academics has come naturally to me. It's never been something that I've struggled with, but it left me unfulfilled because along, along the way, basically, you know, it began to become very clear that man needs meaning. We need meaning in our lives to have any kind of facilitation of joy. And whether that meaning comes from struggle, hardship, or, you know, different situations, you have to have meaning. And when I was going through this journey, I lost meaning in my life. And because of this, I turned to drugs, I turned to alcohol. And in Australia, that's a massive part of the culture. Like essentially like it starts in school for most of the kids here, you know, they start doing drugs in school, start drinking age of like 13, 14, very common. And it's normalized, happens everywhere. So for myself, I started very young at 17. And I just kept that habit with me until the age of 24 when I got sober. Getting sober was defining. Obviously there's a lot involved in that process of me getting sober. But when I got sober, it took me about, I would say six months to really clean myself up, get off the drugs. And then over time, I weaned off alcohol and cigarettes as well. So now I'm just, you know, nothing really, just exercise. But getting sober allowed me to get 
clarity, right? Clarity upon what I was unhappy about. Because if you're unhappy about something in your life or you're unfulfilled, that's basically you knowing that something's not going right in your life. You need to get really clear on why and you need to change that. So for me, what I do today is uh, has nothing to do with what I did for all those years at university or clinical research, academia. I mean, I use some of that knowledge, but for the most part, I am a life coach. I'm a solopreneur. And uh, it's, it's very different to the path I was following. Drugs are a fantastic way to cover over the cracks in your life. I mean, if you're feeling fears or anxiety, you know, you can just have a hit of the bong or can pop a few pills, right? And they, they do that, they facilitate that. But the problem with that is, is that then you're dependent upon them to function as a normal human being because you have taken so much onus away from who you are and actually facing your fears facing the things that really scar you that are deep inside and just ignoring them by, you know, being on cloud nine all the time. And that is not a normal way to live. It is a way that you become accustomed to if you've been a drug addict for a while, but any kind of introspection, you begin to realize that this is not how uh, humans are meant to live. It's not, it's not natural. As a life coach, do you work with people in, on sobriety or is it broader than that? No, I work with unfulfilled millennials. I work with people who are unclear or unhappy with the direction their life is going and we find a new direction. So not a career coach, but finding a way to either find fulfillment in your current work or finding a way to create fulfillment. If you do leave your job, what are the goals and strategies you want to achieve? Um, basically, this means working with people that are higher up on Maslow's hierarchy who are not just finding sobriety. Because if you're just finding sobriety, um, that's your focus. Your focus is to get sobriety. But once, you know, if you have already been sober, if you found sober a long time, sobriety a long time ago, um, you're working towards something greater for your life, a greater vision, a greater impact, something more that gives you a feeling of fulfillment, right? And uh, those are the kind of people I work with. Do you find that in working with those folks, or, or how often, I should ask, do issues of communication come into play, whether that's communicating in a, in a professional setting with, with work or bosses, coworkers, or in a personal setting with family and friends? It's a very common thing. Some, some people are good communicators, but some other clients are not. And it's a sticking point because it means that their interactions with other people uh, do not favor them, right? Their communications are more wired towards uh, how they want an event to be, which is for the most part, a lot of people, but they don't know how to change their communication style to adapt to different individuals that respond differently. Can you give me some examples of some of those challenges and maybe how you've helped folks overcome them? Let's say client, uh, we'll call them client Z. Okay, client Z uh, is in the workplace and is requiring or wants a promotion. It's one of their major goals. But the way which they go about it is in a brute manner where they, do, they are very, very direct and not concise in their communication. So they demand things from other people and create a stress in their environment rather than modulating their communication to adapt to different people. Because the truth is, is that the old saying goes, treat other people the way you want to be treated. And that's okay. But what that means is that you basically ignore everyone else's needs apart from your own. And uh, one of my old mentors basically gave me a great, a great quote, which is not treat other people the way you want to be treated, treat other people the way they want to be treated. So understand their style of communication, understand the words they use, and reflect it back to them. And depending on what you want, or depending, say in this case, the promotion, reflect that back in their words, but put your desire into it as well. So you're modulating your communication to get the outcome you want. 
what you're saying is another way of describing empathy, right? The ability to put yourself in somebody else's mm. shoes and see a situation from their point of view. And I mentioned that risk communication is one of my fields of expertise. And the research in that field shows that people will determine whether or not someone is a trustworthy and credible source of information, someone they want to interact with, someone that they're willing to believe and listen to, and potentially change their thoughts or behaviors or actions based on what they hear from that person, whether or not that person is seen as caring and empathetic is by far the most important criteria. Absolutely. Because, you know, being able to understand, I mean, it's not like the way of driving yourself crazy where you have to think about, you know, what does this person think? What does that person think like all the time actively, but understanding their method of communication. So like an example might be like your, your colleague is a very blunt communicator and, and a lot of people might think of them as rude, but actually it's just the way they speak. Um, they come from a culture that is where they're direct and they're not because uh, in Western culture, as you know, there's a lot of manners and there's a lot of a lot of passive speaking in Western culture. But say you go to Eastern culture, it's very direct, and that might come across as rude to people and crass. But if you understand that that's their background and the way they grew up and the only way they know how to communicate, then you can change your behavior to not feel one offended, but also to speak to them in a way which relates to them. And that's how you form friendships. I mean, it's a very basic thing, really, just understanding that it's not about you; it's about how you can use your awareness to basically modify yourself to be able to appeal to people to their style of communication. And let me take a step back and ask why you've chosen to focus on millennials. Right, because one, I'm a millennial, and two, I understand their challenges. And do you think that there are unique challenges that millennials face generally, and then also specifically from a communications point of view? Millennials do face some unique challenges because they have the generation that's going to drive the future of innovation. I mean, there's obviously like Gen Z coming up, but right now millennials are the bulk in the workforce, right? And on top of that, it comes with a lot of challenges in terms of how they see the world, um, how we've grown up. We've come from a period where, you know, what we're doing right now is bizarre. If you told someone 20 years ago that you'd be chatting over a webcam and recording um, a podcast on Zoom, the, the idea would be bizarre. But uh, we've seen a world without mobile phones, we've seen a world without social media, and we've come into it and felt the full force of it. And of course, that creates, that's a lot of change for one lifetime. Okay, so that creates challenges, not only to adapt, but to prosper. In terms of communications, yes, millennials do have a lot of, um, I guess you could say, do have a lot of requirements for communication, because the techniques that we're talking about right now, like neuro-linguistic programming, we're talking about empathy, communication, understanding, um, I didn't grow up with that. I certainly was never educated with that. The schooling system never taught me that. My parents never taught me that. I had to go out and learn it, right? So millennials have never been given an opportunity to learn that. Nowadays, perhaps, uh, children do learn at a younger age from social media, et cetera, but we never had that. We had a more simple, rudimentary style of learning. And therefore, that, that skill is lacking in a lot of people because we've never had the ability to gain it. Very interesting. You know, I'm, I'm a baby boomer, Gen X, a sort of cusp baby, so quite a bit older. Um, but I have a, my children are, are millennials. And I hadn't really ever thought about the fact that they are the first, your generation is the first to have to figure all of this out. You know, I can almost step back and say, oh, I'm too old. I'm never going to figure this out. I'm going to hire, I'll hire a millennial to figure that out for me. And then the 
folks coming up behind the millennials were immersed in it and so are sort of absorbing it naturally without really having to be taught. That is an interesting challenge that the millennials face. I really feel for the millennial generation and all of the change and disruption that has occurred in the course of their relatively short lifetimes. Everything from, well, here in the States, of course, September 11th in 2001 through the financial crisis and then COVID now. I mean, it's got to create generational whiplash. Absolutely. It's a, it's a lot of challenges to deal with. And it's, a, it's why I help millennials because I understand how it feels like going through that pattern myself. You know, like it's not, it's not easy. Not to say that like it's impossible to work through it, but there are a lot of pitfalls to work through. And myself having gone through this journey, I share that. I share the journey, the obstacles I had to overcome, but I also back it up with science because I have a very academic background mm-hmm. and my learnings in social psychology and neuro-linguistic programming. So overall, my coaching is not just experiential-based, it is knowledge-based as well. And combining those together uh, gives my clients a good platform to really get the life they want. So if I can ask you to put on your life coach hat, which I guess you're already wearing for the purpose of this interview, but I'm, if I come to you as a millennial and say, uh, Jeff, I... I'm not happy in my current uh, job. I'm not getting the kind of respect I think I deserve in my uh, current position. And I'm thinking about making a change. How would you go about working with me? In accordance with that question, there are multiple bits that you said there that I would address normally if this was a client that came to me. But um, for the purpose of this interview, I know we don't have like a full half hour to do that. So I'm going to ask you one question that was the most important that stood out, which is you said you're not getting the respect you deserve. Well, let me ask you, first of all, what type of respect do you think you deserve and why do you think you deserve it? That makes a lot of sense. So you need to really figure out uh, what you mean. How do you, how do you define your situation and what you're really trying to accomplish? Yeah, look, co- coaching is all about coaching is all about self-discovery, but guidance, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what's best for you. I'm going to sit here and help you understand what's best for you and guide you through the entire process. Because that change that, you know, you're, you're talking about there for what you deserve, how can you get more happiness, stuff like that, that happens for you within you as a person right? I cannot force it. I cannot push it, but I can guide you and show you that this is where you're angling. This is what you want. You just can't see it, right? That's what coaching is. So I'm always going to be finding out from you and digging because I, I know where the train goes. I know I can see that, but you can't. That's why you're asking me this question. So I would always start by asking you questions, getting more of an understanding. The more we dig, the more we find out, the more we can focus and direct it with clarity. So you bring a third party objective expert point of view it's a point of view yeah it's like it's like consultancy but for your life Mm -hmm. um and obviously backing it up with that academic knowledge backing it up with the coaching pedigree and experience um it gives you an ability it gives the client someone to basically formulate and see things that they can't see it's all about finding blind spots and helping them to the outcome they desire because whether everyone knows it or not everyone has something they want out of life we all have want something out of life, right? And if you don't, then you're a nihilist and I can't help you. <laughs> but if you want meaning to your life and you want something, then I can help you find it and create it. And do you find that millennials have any unique communications challenges or common maybe is a better word, common communications challenges just by virtue of their, their age, their place in the world at this time? Yeah, for a lot of people I've worked with, they're very stuck in their own minds. They only see the world through their lens. And that's completely fine. Most people do. But the issue with that is that it can create a lot of frustration when things don't go their way. 
because this happened at work or this happened in their relationship or this happened, you know, in their life because they didn't have the awareness to understand that the words they're putting out and the actions that they're performing don't suit their best interests. And you don't know unless you know, right? That's the thing. Like, for example, you may not know that there are aliens out there, but if they appeared tomorrow, then you would know. It's the same thing as well. It's like you can't be expected to know what you don't know because you haven't learned it. And um, for millennials, that's the common thing is that they do not have that ability or that information because it's never been provided throughout the upbringing and throughout the transitions that we've seen in society so quickly. Because back in the day, uh, if you wanted to call a friend, how would you do it? Well, you get your phone and give them a ring, right? Not your mobile phone, right? a landline. It's stuck to the wall. Today, if you want to communicate with someone, you send them a text. Very different methods of communication. You send them a text, people can get all kinds of emotions from it. You call them on the phone, they can understand, okay, ah, oh, this is what he meant. That's what he meant. And that's where communication gets a sticking point. We, we haven't found a way to translate emotion into text. And because of that, um, there's many different issues that occur. Not That's one example. There's obviously many more, but that's one method of communication that has changed a lot. There's a reason for that. And it is like um, we've transitioned to a point of society where we are extremely non-confrontational. It's so, so non-confrontational in our communications that now we prefer to communicate with text because it gives us the time to think and modulate our response based on what is the best outcome. So like some people respond like to an email after 12 hours, maybe two days, right? Because they got to be thinking about it. They got to get their evidence and come back. But if you look 20 years ago, or maybe a bit further, like 25 years ago, you'd be just speaking to someone directly like how we are right now. And I love doing this. I love chatting just direct face-to-face. A one-minute conversation on the phone is equivalent to like a whole bunch of email chains. As you would know, I used to work in an office as well. You have email chain after correspondence or after correspondence. That could have just been done over the phone within a couple of minutes. So uh, non-confrontational is definitely something that you know a lot of people face, passive communication. I don't know why this popped into my head just now, but I... I think my parents sent me a video of two teenagers must be, you know, freshmen or sophomores in high school. And they were at their grandparents' house and there was a phone, an old rotary dial phone landline. And I was, one of them challenged the, the two boys to figure out how to use the phone and recorded it. And then it went viral. And it's hilarious because they can't for the life of them figure out how to make a rotary telephone work. It's a forgotten art. I don't think you can even buy those anymore. I don't think so either. You have to go to your grandmother, or now these days your great grandmother's house if you want to find one. <laughs> My grandmothers have a uh, mobile phone. They got they got iPhones. You know what I mean? So it's uh, completely different now. It is. Yeah. Even my parents have got. Well, my dad insists on keeping a flip phone. He won't. He won't go the smartphone route. But my we've convinced my mom to get an iPhone just so we can reach her a little easier these in this day and age. We've we've talked about communications challenges that your clients face and uh, and gone through a number of those. But I wonder if there's anything else in terms of communication challenges that millennials face or anybody, any of us face in a difficult situation, uh, what advice you might have for folks who are trying to make that work a little better? Well, that's a great question. And um, the thing that comes to my mind instantly is learning to communicate out of anger. So like a lot of the time, um, if you communicate when you're in a very emotional state, you may say things or do things that uh, don't reflect how you actually feel because emotions send people to extremes, right? That's just the way emotions run. So communicating when you're not in the right frame of mind is never a good idea. Taking the time to have a breather, like say, for example, if you are having a heated conversation, just learn to catch yourself, walk away and come back. Because the truth of the matter is, is that 
words have an impact that lasts longer than one might understand. Certain words impact people's psyche and they can carry that for a long time. So saying things out of anchor is never a good idea. Learning to always bring yourself back down and calm yourself is very important because communication is all about two people. It's not just about you. So you have to be able to understand how the words you have will have an impact on others around you. That's very wise. Then my last question for you is um, anybody who might hear this, who would want to learn more about you and uh, the services you provide, what's the best way? The best way is to check out my social media. So on Facebook and Instagram, I am Mind Access Life Coaching. On LinkedIn, you can find me at my name, Jeff Seal. Or you can check out my website, um, mindaccesslifecoaching.com.au. I have plenty of resources. I have a couple of webinars. I have a free ebook I give out on my website where you can message me per- personally for it. Um, and I have a whole bunch of podcasts that I've done as well. And I have an Instagram live show. So if you ever want to tune in to my Instagram live, it's called the Mind Access Connection. I have guests from all around the world, from different disciplines, experts in their field, and they come and do a live show with me every fortnight. And we talk about a topic that's, um, that's going to help you resolve an obstacle that may be present in your life. And that's just a little bit about me. If you'd like to work with me, my programs are called the Mind Access Method, and it involves two programs called the Keystone Program and the Premium Program. Um, obviously they're mutually exclusive, so you pick one, but, um, what they do is everything we've kind of talked about today, helping you find fulfillment, meaning, and purpose to your life, overcoming fears and having a strategy to achieve it. Well, terrific. I really appreciate your taking the time. It's uh, exciting for me to have someone from Australia on the podcast for the first time. And, uh, and thank you. Hey, thanks for having me, Lana. It's been great. Great to be here. Thank you, as always, to Jim Cirillo at jimmymgroup.com for our original music and Rachel Greenberger for our original art. Please send questions to WTSWTGT at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at WTSWTGT. Until next time, always be positive. Brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.